week and will continue for the next couple of weeks. Ordinary is not a word that you would associate with our Lord and our Savior. Ordinary is not a word that you would associate with our God. I think that gathering around the table of the Lord today is certainly appropriate. I see so many connections between observing the Lord's Supper together and marriage. After all, we looked at God's Word last week and we saw that marriage was God's design. Marriage was approved by God. Part of that design was that the marriage of a man and a wife would be a picture of the relationship between Jesus and the church. That kind of love, that kind of sacrifice, that kind of service. Jesus died for you, and he died for me. He calls us to be his disciples. It's a call that we ought to take more seriously. Following Jesus with all that we have, with all that we are. It is so, excuse my language, dadgum easy to have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world. But that's not being a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's not what he calls us to. What he calls us to is radical. The world doesn't understand it. He calls us to that type of devotion and that type of love and that type of servanthood to him, even in marriage. If marriage is to be a picture of the relationship Jesus has with the church, then marriage should take on some of those characteristics and qualities of of devotion, of love, of sacrifice, of service. Marriage is important to God. It is sacred to Him. He approved it. He designed it. When I look at God's Word, as I have this past few weeks, I look at what God's Word has to say about marriage. I look at what God has to say about marriage I don't see a lot of similarities in what he is saying about marriage and what the world says about marriage, certainly. I don't see a lot of similarities to what he is saying about marriage and what we teach and preach about marriage. And some of the Christian marriage books that you can find, and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And the focus always seems to be on, on being fulfilled and being happy, but I don't see that anywhere in God's Word. And I I honestly have searched. Ultimately, marriage is for God's glory. I want to say that's radical. That your marriage is about Him, not about you. (laughs) That's unordinary. So we look at that last week, and I, and, and I talk about making your marriage a picture of Jesus' relationship with the church. And, and many of you 
thinking to yourselves and even commenting and sending emails and, and saying, you know what, that's a radical thought. Well, this week's even more radical. This week's going even deeper. What does God have to say about marriage? Well, if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn over to 1 Corinthians 7. If you have the UVerse app, you can find 1 Corinthians 7 right there on that. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 29, and I'm going to read verse 30 as well, verse 29, 30, and 31. Here's what God has to say about marriage. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. That's what it says. Is that on the screen? See? That's what it says. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. Verse 30 says, And those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as, those, as though they had no goods, those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. And here's why. For the present form of this world is passing away. Here's where I think we struggle. Here's where we, we have a difficult time. Because here's the deal, and here's why he said this. He said, because your time is short, and the time is short before the end of time comes. Eternity changes everything. That there is a heaven changes everything. That there is a hell changes everything. That there is a judgment changes everything. And he's calling us to this place where he says, your focus, your purpose, your reason, what drives you, what motivates you should be eternity. Should be impacting God's kingdom for eternity. Should be using your life to bring him glory. The verse that I read from Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to be bringing him glory in eternity. What are we going to be what are we going to be bringing him glory? What are we going to be pointing to that brings him glory? That once I was dead, but he made me alive. That once I was lost, but now I'm found. The glory that, that he's going to be receiving throughout eternity is about lives that he transformed, about making dead people come alive. It's got to be what we're about. It's got to be, listen... It's got to be what marriage is about. What in the world would he, he, he be thinking when he says, look, the time is short, so, so let those men who have wives act like they don't have a wife. This is the same guy who said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he's calling us to this place of devotion, this place of, of love for Jesus. This won't be on the screen because I just saw this last night, and I think it's a parallel passage to the 1 Corinthians 7 passage. It's Luke chapter 14. It's the parable of the great 
banquet. Jesus is visiting with a friend. There's a, there's a crowd. They're, they're kind of all gathered around the table. Th- those who had been invited to the supper are, are sitting at the table. And one of those who are sitting at the table, verse 15 says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him, with Jesus, heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Here's Jesus' res- response. Jesus says to him, A man once had a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Jesus is inviting us to his banquet. Jesus is inviting us to be transformed. He's inviting us to to eternal life. He's inviting us to forgiveness. He's inviting us to come and dine with Him and to sup with Him. And so He sends out His servants. By the way, that's you and me today. He sends out His servants to tell the people, everything is ready. Come and meet this Jesus. Come and dine with this Jesus. And it says... The sermon goes out, he invites them, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I just bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said to him, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I got to go examine them. Please have me excused. Verse 20, Luke 14, another said, I've married a wife. Therefore, I I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry, and he said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. My house is going to be full. In my father's house, Jesus said, are many rooms. John 14. My house is going to be full. And he calls us to himself. And he calls us to relationship. And he calls us to forgiveness. And he calls us to eternal life. And we're too busy. And marriage is one of those things that makes us too busy. Marriage is one of those things that causes us to lose priority. When I first came into church ministry, I was, I, I was leading a singles group, and, and I love working with singles because singles ha- have this tendency to, those who love Jesus have this tendency to, to be more focused on Him. They have, they have more energy for Him. They have more time for Him. They, 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 they have more time to spend with Him. And then they get married. And all of a sudden, the focus changes a little bit. And, and, and during that first year of marriage, their, their, their attitude is, is um, you know, we just got married. And um, I think this first year ought to be about he and me or she and me and just getting to know one another and being married. So we really can't be involved in too much of the ministry here. I know that I was, but... This is our first year of marriage, and that's what it's really about. And because they spend that first year of marriage focused on one another, they have a baby, (laughs) right? 
And now they now they got they got to take care of that baby. They got to raise that kid, and they got to they got to worry about college funds, and they and they they got to have teacher meetings and 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 soccer practice and on and on and on and they get so busy and they get so busy and they get so busy and I think that what Jesus is saying here is don't ever let anything be a priority in your life over me eternity changes everything the fact that there's a heaven changes everything the fact that there's a hell changes everything the fact that there's judgment changes everything we have this mindset we have we live by this timeline there's this start and, and there's this finish, but God doesn't think that way. God, God's thinking about eternity. Everything to God is about eternity. Did you hear that? Everything to God is about eternity. Every decision, every direction that he gives us, every ministry that he has in his life is ultimately about eternity. God has no timeline. And so, he's... He's saying to us, be careful. Listen, marriage cannot be your priority over God. See, that's radical. That's, that's not ordinary. But God created marriage. Marriage is sacred to God. So how do we reconcile these two things? Why, you know, I, I got to thinking about some verses that we looked at last Sunday. Genesis chapter 2. God looked at man and he said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a suitable, the word in the King James I think is helpmate. I will make for him a suitable helpmate. For this cause... A man will leave his father and mother, a woman will leave her father and mother, and they will be joined together, and the two shall become one. And I get this image that, that not only is marriage a picture of Jesus in the church, not only is marriage designed to bring God glory, marriage also is designed to bring two people together who together they can serve the Lord. And their ministry together can bring glory to God and their ministry together can be more effective and can accomplish more than if they were not together. That God orchestrates and God, God does things in your life to bring you together with this person that he has chosen for you so that together you can serve him and together you can bring him glory. Together you can impact eternity. But what about romance? But what about the butterflies? What about companionship? I believe those things are important and enhanced when God is the priority. Unity, becoming one, unity, love, romance will, be, will become a byproduct of pursuing mission together. Here's a radical thought. When you are focused on your mission, me and my wife, and this is what God has called us to, and this is our mission, and we're going to work on this together. This is this synergy thing going on, and great things are going to be accomplished for the kingdom of God. 
When, when, when that's kind of your focus, when that's kind of your thought, you don't have to work on your marriage that much. <laughs> that's weird, isn't it? There's so little to argue about, man, when you're focused on what God's called you to do, when you're working together with what God's called you to do. And I think it's great that you know the love languages and that you apply those in your life and, and you practice those and all that stuff. But I want to tell you, when your focus, when your priority is God and His kingdom and serving Him and loving Him and you're doing that together, there's this unity that becomes a byproduct of pursuing that mission together. Yes, somebody's going to leave the cap off the toothpaste. And somebody's going to forget to put the toilet seat down. And all of those things. But think about this. Because your marriage is not about you, it's about pursuing God's mission together, those things become so small. Those things that we spend time and energy arguing about become so small when God is the priority. Does it make a little bit more sense that the Apostle Paul would write, let those, who, let those men who have wives act like they don't? That, that, that Jesus, in a sense, would rebuke someone who's invited to, to, for salvation, for forgiveness, for intimacy. He's invited him in, and the guy goes, look, I just got married. I, I don't think. I want to suggest this as well. What do you think the impact on children, your children, would be when they see a mom and dad who will do anything to fulfill the mission that God has given them? Who will sacrifice to fulfill the mission? Who will sacrifice to... to to minister together, who will sell whatever they have to sell, will move wherever they have to move, whatever they have to do, this is our focus, this is our priority. What kind of impact do you think that would have on children? I want to tell you that, 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 there's, a, that there's a part of that that children aren't going to like. <laughs> you mean you want to you, you take our vacation time and go on a missions trip together? You, you, you want us to go to Africa? You want us to go to El Salvador? I want to go to the beach. But, but I want you to, to, to consider the legacy that you're leaving them and even suggest to you that there's, an, there's a time in that young person's life where they look back at the sacrifices and the passion that mom and dad had towards serving God and the impact that will have on their life. It's easy for me to look around this room and see couples who kind of have this, this M.O. in their marriage. It's, it's about God first. I think about John and Lori, and, and I appreciate them so much. If, if, if there's any two people that minister together, it's John and Lori. And Jim and Debbie, I could say the same thing for. And I, BJ and Christina, I could say the same. I could go on and on and on and call out people. And you know what? Then I take a look at their marriage. And I see the impact that this kind of focus, this kind of passion, this kind of priority has on their relationship with one another. Not only is this in God's Word, we have example after example after example after example of it here in this church, and I praise God for that.
Jesus teaches this over and over and over and over again. You, you remember what he said, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things will be added to you. I, 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 can't, I, I can't get involved in ministry. We, we just got married. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Well, the, you know, the job's killing me, and there's a lot of overtime, and there's a project due, and I can't do that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These things will be added to you. What is ministry doing ministry together look like? It, it, looks, it has all kind of different ways to manifest itself. I think about my brother Huey and his sweet wife Lisa, their son Alexander. Huey has just sensed and God's called him to minister to the people of Israel. It causes him oftentimes to uh, get on a plane. He's going to get on a plane Friday. He's going to be gone to Israel. He's going to be gone for 21 days. That's too long. But that's what God called him to do. So Lisa's ministry in that partnering with him, loving him, doing this together, is to support him in it. Not everybody can do that, but they can. And so she's a part of his ministry and praying for him and supporting him and go and I'll take care of things here and this, we're in this together. It may not look like that. Maybe it looks like this. Honey, you know what? We really don't have a ministry in the church. Why don't we get involved in the children's ministry? Get back there. <laughs> I, wanna, I want you to consider what that might mean. You, you, you have, you, you have a, um, a man involved in children's ministry all by himself, or you have a man and a wife involved in children's ministry. And they begin to, to talk about it, and how can we reach these children, and how can we make an impact on these children, and hey, why don't you send them a postcard this week, and I'll call their parents. Let's get involved. Let's invite some of the parents over. For, there's just a different kind of synergy. There's just a different kind of, uh, of thing that happens. It's God's design for marriage. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. Not men. Priority, focus, eternity. First Corinthians 10.31, whatsoever you eat, whatsoever you drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. A short message, a simple message, a radical message, different from anything you'll hear in the world. Eternity changes everything. God designed marriage so that two together can serve him more effectively for his glory. The best marriages, the most fulfilling marriages, are two people that love God more than they love each other. and Serve him together for his glory. We're going to have communion. I, um, I know this is radical thinking. A preacher to stand up one Sunday and say, your marriage is not about you. It's about a picture of Jesus' relationship with the church. That's radical. And then the next week, the preacher gets up and he says, 
you know, your marriage really is about eternity. It's really about bringing God glory. It's really about impacting people. It's really about ministry. It's really about God bringing you together so that he can use you in a greater way together than he could if you weren't together. That's really, that's really what it's about. And I know that's different. I know we have people in here who are widowed. I know we have people in here who are single because they're divorced. We have people in here who've never been married. They're young people. I want to suggest this has, this is, this is relative. This has, has a purpose in every single life in here. We gather around the table to remember the relationship that Jesus has with the church and what it cost him to bring that relationship to us. We have opportunity just to be with him, just to spend time with him, just to talk to him, just to hear from him. I want to ask you to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to ask our, our deacons if they would come and take their places. And men, when you come down to the front, just remain standing. I'm, I'm going to pray, and we're going to go ahead and distribute these elements. But during the time that we distribute these elements, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to talk to God. You have an opportunity to commune with Him. You have an opportunity to interact with Him. And if some of these things are just so strange to you, they make you want to scratch your head, then talk to Him about it. Ask for His guidance and direction. Lord Jesus, Some of these things are hard teaching. Man, in that Luke 14 passage, if we had read three or four more verses, it says in there, you said if anyone doesn't hate their mom and dad and their wife and their kids, they can't be my disciple. Wow, what? Teach us what you mean by that, Lord Jesus. May you be our number one. May you be our priority. May our lives be all about you, loving you, following you. I know that those relationships that you mentioned, mother, father, wife, children, they're so important to you. It's as if you're teaching us that our full devotion to you better equips us for loving our family. Our full devotion to you better equips us for ministering in this community. Our full devotion to you better equips us for giving. So Lord, during this time of communion where we remember what it cost you so that we could have this relationship with you, I pray Pray that we might just commune with you and interact with you and learn from you and be changed by you. And I pray this is a valuable time in the lives of these people. Bless this time of communion, Lord. We remember your body. We remember your shed blood. In Jesus' name, amen.